0: Welcome to the Married People Podcast, where we help you make marriage real, fun, and simple. Each week, we have honest conversations about one simple thing that can make your marriage better, because when your marriage is better, everything's better. And as always, I have the pleasure of sitting here with our resident newlywed, Afton. Hi. And our 22-year marriage veteran. He's an author, speaker, and director of MarriedPeople.org, Ted Lowe. Hey, guys. And today on the Married People podcast, we're going to look at a question that uh, I think all of us tend to think here and there. We read articles about this all the time, and that's about how to make our marriages better. And specifically, we're looking at the question, what's one thing that can make every marriage better. Because if there was one thing, Ted, that could make every marriage better, I don't know why all married people wouldn't want to know what that one thing is, right? Absolutely. Since I am hosting the podcast, I thought I would do a little bit of prep work. because You
1: love doing prep work. I
0: love doing prep work. And so I did what every good podcast prep person would do. And I typed that question. What's one thing that can make every marriage better? I typed that into Google and I clicked on the number one search result, which is a Reader's Digest article. So you know it's which good. is my homepage, ReadersDigest.com.
1: <laughs> on every toilet around right. America. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so and it's actually an article that lists 28 things you can do to make your marriage better. So wow. it's, apparently there's not just one thing, there's 28 well, That sounds
1: things. really easy. So. And so,
0: yeah, if you just do these 28 things, Afton, okay. your marriage with Hudson is I do is 28
1: just, things every day, so...
0: Great. So before <laughs> I tell you a few of the things that the number one search result on Google and Reader's Digest says we should do to make our marriages better, Afton... What is one thing you think you should do to make marriage better? What's one thing on this article that you think that they're, they're recommending here?
1: I think the number one thing has to be long walks on the beach
0: um oh. that one in particular let's see here it's they say, pretty
1: specific but
0: yeah uh, one of them is fight and walk so apparently you can do that long walk on the beach fight and one walk. Of, one that's of the good. 28 things on here is to fight and walk
1: that's good because I want all of my fights to be extremely public
0: and that's why <laughs> all of those shots of couples on the beach are just pictures because they're they're, just, actually they're, they're, they're actually they're fighting they're actually
1: in the middle of a fight <laughs> yeah. and she's like really sarcastic and that's why she's like smiling at him
0: and Ted do you want to take a stab at one of the 28 Things that you should do. I assume that you and Nancy drive there like once a week to go
2: fight and walk since you're a marriage expert. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That's exactly. Right. I think we need to do a new footprints type of thing yes. where it's Jesus and a couple. And yeah. So now we're three yep. sets so of footprints.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, some of the other ones on here, I won't go through all 28 because. That's ridiculous. Because
1: that would take all of our material for this podcast <laughs> right, forever. Right? These have exactly. to be the twenty-eight things. Uh,
0: some of them are sweat together. So I guess nope. working out.
1: Yeah. No. No. Uh, nope.
0: Have you ever worked <laughs> out with Hudson?
1: I I think one time, and I think I spent the entire time saying, "Don't look at me."
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it
1: didn't. I mean, I think we end up fighting more about that <laughs> than anything else. Okay.
0: So then you Nobody go wants to see that. Then you fight and walk.
1: I feel like you would actually work out with Terry.
0: Uh, we we have tried to work. Oh. We've got we used to go running together. And emphasis on used to. Mm. It's just when you run together, it's like oh you're going too fast. You're going too slow. I feel bad because I'm slowing you down, right. or you're now you're I'm going so much too far ahead of the, yeah, you. I'm and faster than you, and I
1: can't help it. Just, and you're and holding we, me back in a lot of ways. Just, so maybe yeah, we're physically and emotionally. I think
0: and maybe we're. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe where we've gone wrong is that we're running and fighting instead of walking and Ooh. fighting. Maybe that's where Uh you
1: know, that's mm-hmm. yes, that is. Yeah,
0: yeah, that if we just did like if speed you walking. it down a little bit. Some other ones were show a little PDA, overlook small no, annoyances. You. Okay, no PDA for you after.
1: I don't I don't like PDA. Yeah,
0: Nancy I mean, doesn't either. I don't. She doesn't like that. No. Yeah. Um overlook small annoyances, go serving together, which cool. Uh, go camping. Have you never, ever? Been, never? never.
1: No, never. That's not a board, I'm already, no? fa- I've already like not wanted to do every single thing CJ said. So. And then,
0: and then uh, there are a few others like Netflix and chill and go solo. Do you mean
1: take... actually like watch Netflix? Yeah. And just
0: I, I assume out. that is exactly what this because is talking I, about. We do that
1: all the time. If that's true, like literally just, just watching Netflix. Well,
0: your, your, your marriage is getting so much better yeah. because of it. Yeah. Go solo and don't hang out with your spouse for a while. is apparently one way Ooh. to make your marriage better.
1: Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, cool. So
0: that's, that's all great advice, right, Ted? That,
2: that is, that, yes, that's advice.
0: But that, right? is advice. <laughs> that is advice. That, that is advice. That is somebody's advice. advice. No, there's
2: some good stuff in there.
0: But yeah. if I'm sitting here and I'm reading that article, it's like so overwhelming. And I think that's the tension that so many of us feel that there are just – you type that what's one thing I can do to make my marriage better, and the f- first thing is here are 28 things to do. And it's just hard to know where to start. Hard to know what the one thing is that's going to have you know the biggest impact on our marriage. It's overwhelming. So, we've looked at what Google has to say now. Ted, <laughs> I would love to throw this question to you and ask you, since you are the the not only marriage veteran here, but you've been working with married couples for over sixteen years. And so, which you guys were like, how old? Sixteen <laughs> to, years. I think ago? I was in diapers. <laughs> diapers. Di- yeah. oh. Wow. i don't i don't want to try and do that all right (laughs) you got married at 16 or something that's what i don't know Uh um so ted there are so many things that can make our marriages better let me ask you what's one thing that can make
2: every marriage better yeah i mean i think that's the heart of this whole podcast right is each week you know we take a look at one question, and what's one thing that we could do? Because one of the things I'm most passionate about in this world is taking some of the complexity away from having a great marriage. Because our generation has, and we've said this almost every episode, this generation, for some reason, we've all been convinced that having a great marriage is really, really complicated and it's really, really difficult. And you know, that, you know, Satan's the author of confusion. You know, at the risk of sounding hyper-spiritual Satan's author of confusion. So, if people can feel like, oh, my mirror, I'm just so confused, they kind of throw up their hands a little bit. And I think what we're finding more and more is that it's, it's not as complicated as we've been led to believe. It, it's not always easy to do, but there are some easy-to-understand things that can change everything. And so, one of the things, my wife is very, very funny. I, we have a little bit of role reversal in this regard. I'm the one that's always thinking about marriage and uh-huh. talking about it. And she's always, you know, looks at me like, oh, no, here we go again. Here's <laughs> what's going to be the new thing that you're going to make me do and talk about. And so, uh, like, it's so funny. We'll go on dates and she'll go, like, can we just, like, date and not, like, have, like, five would you rather questions? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, but those make it special. You yeah. Know? Uh, But she was so funny. She nailed the thing that we're talking about today is we were doing a small group study video. And so she was one of the people that I was interviewing for it. And she shows up at 9 o'clock. Well, they don't get her to record until about 4. So now she's changing, you know, uh, who's going to pick up the kids. And so let's just say she wasn't exactly happy about that. Nancy Lowe's (laughs) unhappy, though, is she just gets kind of quiet and a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Keep it to herself. But I, I can tell. I can tell she wasn't happy. But it led to a really great thing. Because I asked her, I said, what do you think? This is all a video, too. Mm-hmm. It's pretty funny. She, I said, what do you think the number one thing is to have a great marriage? And she says this. She goes, be kind. And, and that's then she it. just stops. I went, uh, do you want to elaborate at all? <laughs> and she goes, no. We used to be unkind to each other. And now we're kind to each other. Hmm. And people just need to be kind. They know how to be kind. Just choose it. And so I think that's true because we look back at our marriage. You know, this is one of the reasons I love doing what I'm doing is I feel like at the first of our marriage, we, you know, we've talked about this before. We had random, what felt like random moments of awesome and random moments of awful. And I think those moments of awful... We're always charged by these moments of being unkind. Hmm. Uh, whether it was her, whether it was me, that we would just be unkind with each other because we could. Right? We can't be unkind with other people. Like, we, or we don't.
1: Yeah, and I think like when you, I feel like especially when you first get married, or if you're a couple that's been together for a really long time, you get so comfortable with each other that you like kind of lose some of that kindness because you're like, oh, it's just you know, it's just my husband, so I don't have to you know we just, we're this way. We just are always sarcastic mm-hmm. or we're always jabbing each other. And it's because we're so comfortable mm-hmm. that we're able to talk to each other like that, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah, Right. Exactly. And we can use that comfort to love each other better or to, to be in kind. And so, Today, that's what we're talking about. It's kindness. And kindness is so important. And I know people may be listening going, kindness, really? You know, <laughs> yeah. That seems it's like so Mr. Cute. Rogers. It's so cute and yeah. nice. And it's not about being nice. It's, it's way different than that. In fact, there's a great new study out uh, by Shanti Philhan, who has done a lot of you know, research projects. And on this one, she did a whole study of what does it take to have a great marriage. And yeah. what came out at the end was the most important thing she would say is kindness. And so from there, she created a thing called the the Kindness Thirty Day Kindness Challenge, just to see what would happen with couples. And what she found out was amazing. Well, Shanti herself is very, very kind. And so I reached out to Shanti and said, hey, would you be on our podcast? And she graciously said yes. And so I got to interview her, as you guys know. Mm -hmm. And we're going to let our listeners hear that in just a minute. But before we do, CJ, let them know who Shanti is, because it's pretty impressive. Yeah. So
0: Shanti uh, received her graduate degree from Harvard University, which I hear is a pretty good school. Heard of it. It's an an (laughs) blind. And she was an analyst on Wall Street before she unexpectedly uh, became a social researcher and best-selling author. So today, she applies that analytical experience to uncover little changes that have big impacts in our lives, our marriages, and our families. Her groundbreaking books include four Women Only and four Men Only, which are on our bookshelves at home, and have sold more than 2 million copies in 23 languages. So she knows what she's talking about, oh right? Gosh. And her newest book, The Kindness Challenge, is sparking an international movement called the 30-Day Kindness Challenge, just like Ted was talking about a second ago. And so we're talking about what's one thing that can make every marriage better. Ted, you're saying, it's be kind. Your wife says, it's be kind. And Shanti, in all of this research, is saying,
2: it's be kind. It's absolutely huge. I want you guys to hear from her. Shanti, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always great to talk with you. I just feel like you've been one of the biggest, I don't know, encouragements and inspiration around working with marriages, and I'm so honored that you're here. So thank you for that. Uh, I love Shanti. I love, love, love your work, but I want you to share with our listeners a little bit about how you got started with helping marriages. It's a very unique journey.
3: Yeah, odd is another (laughs) word for unique. Yeah, no, I, you know, most people who work with relationships are um, psychologists, or a therapist, you know, and that is so not my journey. I, I actually started out as an analyst on Wall Street. And that was a completely different life. But it was interesting how it really has transitioned into using those analytical skills to help relationships. The whole thing started, I stumbled over this when we moved to Atlanta, because I had this chance, sort of weird, but I had this chance to write a couple of novels. And one of the main characters in my novel was a man, and I realized I had no idea what a guy would be thinking. Like, how do I put thoughts in this guy's head? And so this whole thing started because I would talk to Jeff, you know, my husband, or um, we'd be out to dinner with another couple, and I'd go to the other guy and I'd say, "Okay, can I interview you? <laughs> like, here's the scene in this book that I'm writing, and you know, what would you be thinking if this was you, you know, in the situation?" as these guys started telling me what they'd really be thinking i really found myself shocked mm. you boys are weird well, i mean we can i just weird. say yeah, and <laughs> i in, in all mm. seriousness as as i started doing more of these conversations with these men i realized the stuff i was hearing was really really important stuff mm. it wasn't just that it was surprising it was it was really foundational it was it was things that these men were describing that they thought or they felt or they worried about or, or whatever many times a day. Mm. It didn't just happen, you know, once every couple of months. Mm. And I realized, you know, I had been married about eight years at that point, And why haven't, <laughs> why haven't <laughs> I heard this? And that, I think, is when that analyst hat went on. Mm. And I ended up transferring that background, whatever you want to call it, experience, skill set, into studying relationships and trying to figure out what is it that we need to know that's going to really make a huge difference in our lives.
2: Well, absolutely. And I love that, Shanti, because I get really geeked out by research <laughs> on marriage. And, and the time and effort that you and your team put into these studies is just it's so huge. I'm so thankful for what you guys do. Uh, but I think the thing that amazes me most about your work is... Uh, you take all these really complicated findings and you make it very, very tangible for people. And I think that is- Because I
3: need it simple too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing. And the more we know, the more complicated things become. But for you, I feel like you've done the opposite. And with this podcast, uh, I thought you were- perfect to be our very first guest. So thank you for that. Um, I'm so
3: honored. It's awesome.
2: I knew that when we started this, that I wanted you to be our first guest because I love again, how you take things that are very, very complicated and you make it simple. And that's what we try to do with this podcast every week is we say, here's one question that we're asking. And here's one simple thing that you can go and do. Cause we've, we know people are busy and they're going a million miles an hour. So our question today is what's one thing that can make every marriage better.
3: So the short answer is that there is a character quality that matters more than anything else, and that is kindness. And I did this look back. You know, everybody's like, "What?" <laughs> I did mm. this look back at all of the other studies that I'd done. The study that you know that we're we're talking about here is actually my eighth wow big massive national nationally representative study. And I looked back at the other seven. You know, this was started a couple of years ago. And I realized, you know, everything I'm doing really is about helping people thrive in their life mm. and thrive in their relationships and digging out, like you were saying, the simple things that really matter, like the little stuff that makes a big difference. And I realized that looking at all seven of these studies, whether you thrive in your life, in your relationships, there's one common denominator. Mm. And it turns out it is far more correlated to how you treat other people than how you yourself are being treated.
2: Okay, say that one more time.
3: It turns out it is far, whether you're thriving Hmm. in your life, your relationship, or your marriage, is far more correlated to how you treat other people than how you yourself are being treated.
2: Wow, and that's amazing. And the thing about that that I think is amazing is that we would think we would hear that from a pastor, right? But to hear it from, that the pastor's right, and hear it from science <laughs> is so huge.
3: It is. It's, it's amazing that so- social science really backs up amazingly everything the Bible has said all along, <laughs> like, go figure, and um, which is for me as a follower of Jesus, but also as a social scientist, that geeks me out, right? That's where I right. get super excited about every single study that I have ever done has backed up all the stuff that's been in Mm. there in scripture. And yet we haven't always known how to do it. Like we don't know exactly what that means. And so looking at this, I realized, you know, this, this is an example of it turns out if it's how you treat other people, it's all about being kind, Mm. but we don't know what that looks like.
2: And what what does it mean when you say to be kind, what does it mean to be kind?
3: So (laughs) the problem is, is, we already think we kind of are kind. So we have, to, we have to learn that it is something a little different maybe than, than what we've been thinking. And, um, and so what we studied is how do you do that? Like, what does it look like to have this become the, a part of your life every day hmm. in a way kind of you already think it is?
1: Hmm. So,
3: <laughs> so it turns out we're a bit deluded about whether we're sort of as kind as we think we are. Hmm. And, um, and so what we studied is that really kindness is three things. It's withholding unkindness. okay; It's speaking kind words. It's saying things that are kind and it's doing kind things. Really, if you like, if you break it down, it's those mm. three things. And so what we studied and what we spent all, you know, m- several years um, with more than a thousand people in a study group, To be able to figure out what is it that you can do and not do that will retrain you Mm. and will change sort of how you see the world and will really transform your relationships. And we ended up with what we call 30-Day Kindness Challenge. And I had seen this years ago um, when Nancy Lee DeMoss, now Nancy DeMoss-Wogelmuth, had done a big radio interview, and I'd been talking to her about some of these things. And she issued this challenge, and it got me started thinking about some of these things. And it ended up morphing over the years into this 30 day kindness challenge. And it turns out you have to do three things for 30 days. And it's super, super simple. You have to pick one person that you want a better relationship with. And of course, you know, in this venue, we would encourage your spouse, you know, do this with your spouse if at all possible. Right. Um, And, you know, maybe you have a good marriage. You just want to make it better. Or maybe you're in a difficult season. Hmm. Right. And. For 30 days, you first, you don't say anything negative about that person, either to them or about them to mm. somebody else.
2: So you're not calling your friend going, hey, let me tell you what he did again or what she exactly. did again.
3: Exactly. And and let me tell you, that mm. one thing is so often where we trip ourselves up and we don't intend to and we don't mm. realize it. Because I can be, if I'm in a difficult season with Jeff, I can be pretty polite mm. to him But if I'm going to my, you know, girlfriends who work with me and I'm like, oh, you know, whatever he did, I don't realize I'm actually sabotaging how I feel about him.
2: Wow. Which is the opposite of what we've been told, because a lot of people find a friend to vent to.
3: Yes, exactly. So
2: you're saying that science is showing that's not the thing to do.
3: Actually, believe it or not, science has found over the last number of years that it's the reverse. We have all bought into this idea that venting is healthy. And I used to say this too, like, you know, if you vent a little, it keeps the kettle from exploding, Mm. right? So it turns out that is totally inaccurate neurologically. It turns out that what the brain scientists have found is that as you express frustration, as you express anger, as you roll your eyes, as whatever it is, Mm. what it does is it further activates this interconnected neurological anger system in the brain. So instead of like letting the steam out of the kettle, so to speak. A better analogy is it's like turning the heat up under wow. the pot, right? It's up and up and up, and you get more and more frustrated. Whereas if you don't do that, if you refuse to sp- express those things, or at least as much as you were before, mm. for the pleasure of complaining about them, <laughs> um, it's like taking the the heat. It's like taking the pot off the burner. Wow! And, and as you as you smother that to some degree, instead of making you explode more, which is what we've been told, actually, it sort of makes you sort of like putting the pot lid on and mm. the steam goes away and you're kind of just not as angry anymore. Wow. So that's the first thing is that if you, for, if for 30 days, if you practice not saying anything negative about your spouse, either to them or about them you'll actually find that you notice the negative stuff less. Wow. So that's the first thing. The second thing that we say every day for 30 days is to find one thing that you can sincerely praise, You know, something you can sincerely affirm. Like, okay, I can't complain to my girlfriends about whatever happened, that he was late for dinner or whatever, but I can notice, you know, the other day, he actually did go pick up the kids from their you know, activities and whatever, so that I could be out and do this thing I wanted to do. So I tell him, thank you for that. And then I go to my girlfriends and I say, you know what he did yesterday? He was so sweet. He went and got the kids. And and what I'm doing actually is it's essentially like Philippians 4, 8, where God says, you know, if you're frustrated, here's what you do. You think about the things that are worthy of praise the mm. things that are excellent and beautiful and lovely and think about the things that are worthy of praise rather than mm. the legitimate things that are worthy of driving you crazy mm. and the peace of god that passes all understanding is going to guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus you know it's mm. it is amazing once we actually start focusing on okay <laughs> i need to praise him at least once today or i need to tell her at least one you know affirming thing Suddenly, you start noticing those things more. Mm. And again, the the negative things just don't loom as large in your mind, and the the good ones do. So that's the first two things. Don't say anything negative. Find one thing thing that you could say every day that's positive and tell them and tell somebody else. That's a big deal because you're not just telling that person, you're telling somebody else. And then the third thing is to do a small action of kindness, a small action of generosity for that person. Mm. You know, it, it could be something as simple as that you know it matters to your wife that she just hates getting up in the morning not that this describes anybody in the room but
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: maybe just maybe and mm. and so it makes a difference that that she knows that you've made a pot of coffee mm. before she gets up or or that you know you don't normally do the laundry usually that's kind of the thing that matters more to her But just this once, you're actually, you know, going to try to do this. And you even call her and say, you know, now what can't go in the dryer? Like to make it clear that you care about that kind of thing. Right. I mean, just a little thing. Hmm. And it says to the other person, you're worth this. Hmm. And it tells you they're worth
2: this. That is so, so powerful. Because I think a lot of times in marriage helps world, we love to give people big solutions and at the end of the day, it's these little things it's that are re- little. It is, isn't it?
3: We we found, believe it or not, this blew my mind when I got the spreadsheets back from the big survey that we did. That if you do these three things for thirty days, eighty nine percent of relationships improved. Wow, eighty nine percent, which is crazy. Like we don't see mm. those kinds of numbers in social research, but. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense that 89% of relationships would improve because what you're doing is certainly you're you're impacting the other person, obviously. But the biggest thing you're doing is you're completely changing you. Hmm. So (laughs) you're the common denominator in your relationship. It makes total sense that it would improve.
2: Wow. So can you give, give our listeners a couple of examples? Uh, I love the one about, hey, maybe somebody in this room uh, likes to sleep in a little bit more or works late at night instead of her husband making a pot of coffee. That's a huge deal. What are some other examples that you've seen through your research?
3: Well, let me tell you, the biggest, to me, the biggest unseen problems that are huge fixes with a little bitty action is understanding your type of negativity Wow. And withholding it and stopping it, stopping yourself from doing it. And, and I, will, I will confess <laughs> that, that I honestly, in all candor, when I first saw how the research was coming, I thought to myself, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. I actually thought to myself, well, I'm going to need to work on two and three, you know, saying the things that are positive, words of praise and doing the little actions of generosity. But I'm not going to need to worry about number one. I mean, I'm not negative. Mm. Right? Like, I'm a glass half full kind of girl. I'm a positive. And it wasn't until I started cataloging the different types of negativity. It turns out there's seven different, completely different patterns.
2: Right. And people can find this, and I'm going to plug the book a bit because I love the book. Oh, sure. The 30 Day Kindness Challenge. It's an amazing, amazing book that, that unpacks all this in a much deeper level. But it's still, the thing I love about it, it's still very clear. So I don't think, you know, when you talk about the different types of negativity. Different patterns, Different yeah. patterns, that it didn't overwhelm me to read it. It just always focuses on this one thing called kindness.
3: Yeah, well, it's because you, as you look at the list of the different types of negativity, you're going to see yours pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like for me, I realized... Mm-hmm. I am negative. I'm negative every single day because one of the types of negativity is exasperation. Mm-hmm. And I get exasperated with my kids all the time and I don't realize that that's just as terrible for them as if I was saying some of what I'm thinking out mm-hmm. loud. I mean, like for example, I um, you know, you know I have a, a 14-year-old son, he's in 8th grade. And he works really hard, but he's learning issues. And, you know, so we'll work really hard on some homework or something Mm. for a couple hours and then he'll forget to turn it in. And it's like, oh, and I just get so frustrated. Mm. Buddy, why did you do that? You know, whatever. And I don't realize that when my voice is rising and I have that tone in my voice, I don't realize that what I'm saying pretty directly is you're an idiot. Mm. Now, would I ever use those actual words with my sweet 14-year-olds, of course not. Like, I would never use those words, but that's exactly what I'm saying mm. when I get exasperated. So there's these different patterns. And once you withhold that and you you realize this is my tendency, but it doesn't have to be. Mm. And this is something that, okay, this is kind of a character issue. Like, I need to work on this. This is my pattern of unkindness, essentially. And once you work on that, you see these huge differences. Honestly, again, speaking really candidly, my son, he was driving home um from school with me in the car, and he actually started crying. And he's, you know, he's not, mm. that's not him. And um he's, and 14, he's 14, 14. And he was like, I feel like you think I'm an idiot. I feel like you think I'm dumb, mom. I mean, talk about breaking your heart. So as I'm driving, Uh, And I'm just sitting there going, oh, my gosh, this is is something that I really need to work on. So I started to do the 30-day kindness challenge. And I wasn't doing it for him, but as I'm starting to withhold all negativity, and as I'm starting to find the things to praise, I realize how often I need to do this. Right. Mm. And, and this is, let me tell you, once you actually pick one person, if you do it really broadly, it's almost like it's too diluted. You don't Mm. get the impact of seeing in yourself how unkind you can be. But when it's one person, suddenly everything is magnified and you get this awesome, scary, but awesome chance to really work on
2: yourself. It's so amazing. And, you know, thinking through the lens of, of marriages, I've been, You know, wrestling with this, and you know, I've been listening to a book. Which people say that's not really reading a book. I'm like, well, then I don't guess I read any because I love to listen. So it was a great (laughs) listen. Uh, I feel like my friend Shanti has been on many runs with me lately. But um, (laughs) you know, even as we're getting ready for this podcast, we're recording this podcast inside my house, and there's my family's here, and I hear some noise going on that doesn't need to be going on, and just. Walking in there, going, okay, be kind. How you talk about like not making about noise about the fact
3: that we're recording a podcast on kindness?
2: Yeah, don't make noise. Don't yeah. make noise. I love you, uh, <laughs> but it is those things. I think the thing for me is, I really, you know, I would describe myself, and I think others would describe me as kind. But what this has done has made me realize that yes, I'm kind, but what I'm not doing is withholding the unkindness at times, or when I get pressured. When I get pressured that's or I feel like I'm being attacked or misunderstood, that's when my kindness can go out the window.
3: Actually, can I tell you a great quote Please. that I I was speaking at this um this leadership event on the kindness challenge just because, you know, it just come out and they were really there was a group that was really trying to make a difference in their culture in this big ministry. Mm-hmm. And because they were wanted to be kind and they were, but there were some issues. And um, and so one of the gentlemen came up to me, and he said, "Have you ever read C.S. Lewis's The Problem of Pain?" And I said, uh, "Like years ago, <laughs> like I don't really remember it." And he said, "Let me show you something." And he pulled up this quote, and it blew my mind, where C.S. Lewis said, "We think we are kind people, because all that means is that we're feeling." benevolent towards someone at that moment, because Mm. they are not annoying us at that moment. Whoa. So in other words, we think we are kind when we're only happy.
2: Mm. Mm. That is a little bit more truth than I'm comfortable with. Uh, Yeah,
3: (laughs) me too. (laughs) I looked at that and I'm like, oh my Mm. word. You know, because let me tell you, it was, for me, it was really convicting when I started actually trying to dig this out in myself, it was it was uncomfortable. Sure. And let me tell you, you start seeing these patterns everywhere. Once you see it in yourself with this one relationship and you wouldn't even have noticed it before, you start seeing it everywhere. Wow. And I, okay, another really embarrassing example, I'm on the phone with a financial services representative. I think he even told the story in the book. So- Forgive me. You probably mm. laughed, <laughs> but but seriously, this is one of those calls that should have taken five minutes, and it was still going on an hour later. You know those? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just like I'm sorry. I've just yeah. uh-huh. mm-hmm. and and let's just say that it should have been a five minute fix, and it wasn't. So I stopped hiding my exasperation. <laughs> I started. You know, I'm like answering really clipped, and then when the mm. fifth person gets on the phone and asks for my name and address and social security number and security questions. And I'm like, "Ah." and, um, and finally get to the last person who's, who's actually good enough, you know, who recognizes what to do and does the five minute fix. And finally it's the right department and that's done. And, and I'm, I'm apologizing. I'm answering a very clipped. I'm like, I'm sorry. I've just been on the phone for so long. And she's like, I understand. And, you know, I'm like, okay, thank you. And finally she says Mm. at the very end, um, she resolves it. And she says, have we resolved the issue Uh, to your satisfaction, Mrs. Felton? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for allowing us to serve you. And oh, by the way,
2: I loved your book. Oh, okay. Ouch. 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 It was horrible. And
3: and I realized, oh, Lord, Mm. this is like a thing. There is Mm. something inside me. That is my type of unkindness this exasperation and irritation and impatience and mm. oh man and, no, I have to work on that and and that may mm. not resonate with somebody but I guarantee everybody has at least one sometimes more than one <laughs> of these issues
2: right and you see it and there's something so powerful about the clarity of seeing it and there like there's the thing I love about your research is it reveals things and it it you give a lot of application but it also there's so much power in just knowing, hey, I do this. I tend to respond this way. So this leads me to this question is because some people may think about a kindness challenge. And, you know, a lot of people listen, well, I'm kind. But like you said, we're kind, we're, we're benevolent, right? So who needs the kindness challenge?
3: Well, you know, obviously, I would say we all do, right? Mm-hmm. We're, if, I, if I ask a group of people, I was just doing this for a school because, you know, schools, this is an issue. Um, I was doing this talk with a school just a couple days ago, and um, I I asked them to raise their hands. There's hundreds of people in the room. And I said, how many of you feel like in the last year, you have said the words, man, this culture has gotten so unkind, or I really don't like how how unkind things have gotten, or people are so mean on social media. How many of you... actually said those words out loud, not just thought it, but right. said it, like it escalated to the point where you're talking about that. Every single hand was mm. raised. There was not a single person who disagreed with that. They had all said that sure. to someone. And it is so easy for us to think, okay, those people out there, oh, I can't believe they said that on social media. That is oh, that is just horrible. How, come, how people have gotten so rude today. you know our politicians are so mean to each other, our news anchors are so they shout over each other it's just it 's just awful doggone it <laughs> and and all of that is true, but i can 't change that news anchor right. What I can change is realizing you know what that same tone that that news anchor or that news commentator used with the person on the other side of the political aisle. Oh, that was the same tone I used with my husband yesterday. Ouch. 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 And and realizing, you know what, this is going to be one person at a time. Mm. And this is one of the reasons why the the whole idea of random acts of kindness, what we found in in the research, is that those are very well-intentioned and heartfelt, but they haven't changed our culture. Mm. And the reason is, is that random acts of kindness, they they do, little by little, in little ways, they do make the world a better place. But intentional kindness towards one person that opens your eyes makes you a better place. Wow. And if you have your eyes opened, suddenly you change and now you, one person, you are now have the opportunity to literally change and transform their interactions with every single person you interact with. Mm. So there's this exponential growth as opposed to the one moment in time when you treat the cashier at the grocery store kindly, or you you pay for the beat up car behind you in the drive-through line, all of which is wonderful. Those are acts of grace. Those are acts of kindness, but they don't really change you you only change when you see the depth of your unkindness and well, how wonderful it is once you start showing the kindness God asks us to have wow
2: you know and i think about the people that live in my house other than myself there's three kids and my wife and i think if they're going to live in a home of kindness it's going to be because i choose to be kind and i want mm-hmm. them to live a in great a great way of putting it in a home of kindness i really do and I, if they're going to have that It's going to be because I agreed to be like that. And I think what you've done so well with this research is, you know, you've talked about before how like, listening to the negativity and saying the negativity actually rewires our brain to It or, does. to be negative, right?
3: It does. It, it there is actually a neurological process that happens. And and here's the good news. Mm. It works the other way too. Yeah. There's a neurological change that happens when we focus on okay, like I had one wife who's like I have to carry around a little notebook with me in order to to catch those good things that he's doing or mm. saying so that I can have them as my word of affirmation later. And I can tell him, you know, what he's done that I really, cause they were in a difficult season. She's like, I have to actually catch it. Mm. And pretty soon she said, let me show you something. She showed me her notebook on day one. There was like one thing, mm. you know, Oh, thank you for leaving the toilet seat down, you know, or something. <laughs> it was something little. And you know, right. what you would say is minor on day two, there were like two or three things that she had noticed to be able to write it down. And she said she wrote down 3 of them so she would have a bank for the next 3 or 4 days, right? <laughs> so then day 3 it was like 12 things. Wow.
2: Wow, well, it just opened your mind and up to And day see 4
3: it. it was like 30. Wow. And she realized there's all these amazing things I just mm. I've been so focused on this legitimately big problem that they had in their life and their marriage that I've missed the fact that you mm. know what, he's a great dad. I'd missed all these things mm. that were so powerful,
2: the one big thing trumped all the little things, like yeah. it just yeah. it just did that, so uh, you've shared an example in the book too, Sharon about a lady who was complaining about her husband spending more money than she wanted him to spend. I thought that was a great example. Can you share that with everybody?
3: Yeah, it was a great example of somebody this was in a one of the test groups, one of the people who was doing the thirty eight kindness challenge, and you know she had seen you know this receipt you know credit card bill and and she was so you know originally it's the kind of thing she'd be so upset and you know hey listen we got the the taxes back from the irs and we agreed we were gonna hold it and save it and here you're spending it and you know you know all the things that we tend to think and and then going okay 30 day kindness challenge don't say anything negative. You know, this is just for 30 days. I can, I can be careful how I say something. Okay. So withhold that negativity for a moment and think of something I can praise and instantly into her mind comes, you know, he works so hard to provide Mm -hmm. for the family. He, he exhausts himself. I think he was like a coach or something. And he was working with kids day after day, late into the night. And and constantly exhausting himself for what he was doing in order to put food on the table, but also in order to make the difference in the lives of these kids. And as she started thinking about the good things... Suddenly, this concern about the the what he had spent on the you know that she saw on the credit card bill that was still there. It wasn't like that had gone away, but she approached it completely one hundred percent differently because she approached it with this heart of gratitude for her mm. husband. Where instead, it would have instantly put him on the defensive, and and he would have felt you don't appreciate. Which actually, if she is honest, was true. She mm. wasn't actually appreciating what he did, and suddenly now. She was. It just changed everything.
2: Gosh, and I always say to ladies, guys are pretty easy. You know, we're pretty easy. Just (laughs) tell us you think we're great. Just, I mean, for the guys, you can say, "Honey, you're hot." He doesn't have to be hot, but he'll believe you because that's how guys (laughs) are. But absolutely, it is really feeling appreciated. You know, and I've read this in all your other books too about men. They want to feel so appreciated and so respected by their wives. That is that's their what they want to hear. And this just, I just think what you've done here is it's really. You know, works so beautifully and in tandem with your other work. And then the other things you've you've seen, it seems like this study, not only this particular study, but it's, you know, it's banked on all this other research you've been doing for so long.
3: It was. It was essentially, and this is going to sound kind of funny, but it was essentially the application of all the other studies it was the what do you do about it is is if i want to change one thing if i want to do one thing differently what's that one thing that's going to make the big difference and and this is really it honestly if you're if you're in your marriage and you're either maybe you've got a good marriage and you want to make it better or you're in a difficult season right now seriously try those three things for 30 days it it is transformative. And, and honestly, just alone, figuring out your pattern of negativity, your pattern of unkindness. I know I sound like a broken record, mm. but stopping that alone right. has a big impact.
2: Absolutely. Talk to people, because I was sharing this with my small group last night. I said, I've read this incredible book. I've taken this assessment. It's so great. Uh, let's do it as a small group. And it's on kindness. And one of our toughest guys there, he looked at me, he goes, kindness, that sounds a little squishy. Is <laughs>
3: I love that. Isn't it a funny word?
2: <laughs> That's I, awesome. Squishy. And I knew what he talked about. I want you to talk to him, the guy that says, sure. feels squishy. But I also think that that will be the person who's struggling with something, quote unquote, big in their Just mm-hmm. Tell me why this matters to that and why this is mm-hmm. not squishy.
3: So here's the easiest way of answering that. So kindness, it turns out, is the furthest thing from this vague ephemeral idea you know it seems kind of beige it seems kind of squishy you hear that word you know and it turns out actually kindness is a superpower Mm. it has this unbelievable power in whatever it is that we are trying to improve in our life like literally i was looking at this and looking at all the numbers come back on the survey and i'm like oh my gosh it's like A one size fits all. Like if you want a better life, be kind. You want a better marriage, be kind. You want a better sex life, be kind. You want to have your kids have a better relationship with you, be kind. You want to be at a better boss, be kind. You want to make more money, be kind. Like it was everything. Mm. And and it is, I think honestly we downplay, we don't realize that when we give kindness, especially when it's not deserved, okay, Mm. hear that. especially when it's not deserved, especially when we've been hurt, especially when the other person is frustrating you to no end or something is unfair. Mm. And you give kindness anyway. You, like I was listening to somebody recently who was talking about they their mother-in-law lived with them was a very, very difficult person. Mm. And, and this couple just was kind to her with everything in them, even though they didn't want to be, she was very difficult And one day, her whole personality just started to change, and she became this delightful human being. And she lived with them for something like fifteen years until she passed away. But she was, and, and I ended up getting to know her as well. And she was just an absolutely delightful person who brought so many, so much joy. And to see the personality shift, that type of change of someone else's heart, because that's what happened, right? Her heart changed. If you think about it, that is just as miraculous, just as supernatural as the Israelites walking out in the desert and finding breakfast in the morning. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally super natural. There is no natural explanation for it. So in other words, we think of it as this vague thing. And once we realize, no, actually, there's a super practical super powerful thing that's happening here
2: because it was it changes. It was the daughter in law and the son who just poured out that kindness even though they were not receiving kindness, right? Yeah,
3: the opposite of.
2: Yeah, they were getting the opposite of (laughs) and her her heart changed and it is Absolutely miraculous. And that's the thing. Like, I'm probably, you know, I try to be realistic, but I feel like I'm one of the most optimistic people when it comes to marriage because I just go, hey, it's we've made marriage way more complicated. We've made it too complicated. People like me have made it too complicated. And what I love is research is agreeing with this. I love it when research agrees with me, Shanti.
3: I'm, I'm so, so glad to you. be able to help. Yes. <laughs> thank you.
2: provide that. But I hear, you know, I've listened to a lot of things that make marriage very, very complicated. And so I, the power of, of, of kindness. It's, simplicity. It's simplicity. So, you know, we always want to give people one thing. And the one thing that we want them to do between now and next week, the next episode, is to take the kindness assessment. And I've got to tell you, Shanti, um, you hurt me a little bit with this assessment. Yeah. Oh. Just, just a little bit because it absolutely nailed me to the wall. So I, I answer, I'm going to be really honest, I answer these t- questions. How many questions is it? 20?
3: It's not very many. It's it only not, takes like five minutes. Yeah, it's, yeah. Really,
2: it's really quick. So that's your go and do this week, guys, is to do this assessment. And so I took this thing and I'm, ask, I'm answering these questions and I kind of feel like I know what they're asking, where they're headed or whatever. This thing came out and I went oh my goodness, it has nailed me to the wall. And because you guys have done a great job, had a lot of fun with who people are. And so my I was Katniss and, uh, is it Gail? Gail from Hunger Games. So I was Gail from Hunger Games. And what it said about Gail is Gail understood kindness and loved it for other people, thought about it on a really wide, large scale. But when Gail gets pressed into a corner, when he's somebody's being unkind to him, then he tends to be unkind back. And I said, Darn you, edited Shanti <laughs> Phil Hahn because, But it was so powerful. And I read it to Nancy thinking she was going to go, that's not true. She went, oh, okay. Like she didn't argue with me, which meant like, hmm, I think I just got validated. But it was as hard as that was for me to to read, I felt so empowered by it. Because I know there's been other things in our marriage. And we've talked about it on the podcast before. It's when we get clarity, even on the bad things, it just brings it into the light, and all of a sudden we're so empowered. So that's what we want people to do with this assessment, and, and you know, and I'm not going to hold back. I know that that will lead them to to want to read the book and and do the challenge because the challenge is powerful too. But I think if people just take this assessment, it's huge.
3: Yeah, I listen. I was telling you before we started the podcast that. I was Katniss, right? That was, uh, you and me probably got very, very very similar scores. And as I was putting together the assessment, and I had my, you know, social researcher, social scientist hat on, and I'm trying to be very dispassionate to do it, you know, in a way that was objectively important and all that kind of stuff. And would lead to good deliverables and useful stuff for people. Somewhere in the back of my mind, as I'm writing down these questions and like scoring things, I'm going, this is going to be bad for me. Personally, this is not going to be good. Because I knew that I was not going to score very high compared to what I thought it was.
2: Just in in closing here, Shanti, what... Is there anything you would say? You know, we try to talk to millennials. I think millennials get beaten up so badly. Oh, and, totally. And it just totally frustrates unfair. me. It's totally unfair. And the generation before us has always said the one coming up with something was inadequate or something was wrong. And one of the, our goals on this podcast and through married people in general is we want to be the most pro millennial organization that there is because they're the largest, you know, they're representing the largest part of the population. And I don't think they need to be beaten up with all these unkind words. Can you, we speak a little bit to the millennials in terms of how kindness is, you know, it's powerful in their marriage, even though they're being told every day that something's askew with how they view the world. Oh,
3: no. Listen, you know, you're aware of some of my other research about the divorce rates and all that kind of stuff right. with the good news about marriage. And and the reality is that actually the millennials have the, the best chance of success of any generation mm. in the last like 50 years or whatever, um, because they're coming at it. They're coming at marriage, they're coming at life from a perspective of I'm gonna be really purposeful. I'm just not gonna, you know, kind of be blowing with the wind Mm -hmm. and let whatever happens, happens. It's like, no, I've seen previous generations divorce. I'm not going to do that. Hmm. I'm going to be very purposeful. It's actually one of the reasons why millennials are waiting longer to get married, hmm. um, which, in the end, in terms of the health of the marriage, is not always a bad thing. Right. You know, we—that's one of the reasons divorce rates are, are falling so much, hmm. contrary to popular opinion. But they're falling so much because people are waiting a little bit longer, and to, to some degree, that can actually be healthy. Um, now, when you wait too long, then you start getting scared, and
0: <laughs> that's right.
3: another issue. But the average, you know, rates of, of marrying at you know the late twenties—that's not necessarily a bad thing. The millennials, what we have seen in the research, is that they all of these issues with kindness, the emotions underneath them, and the practices and the habits underneath them are exactly the same, no matter the age, mm. right? The the needs, what works, what doesn't work. The thing that I've seen about the millennials that's really, um, it's really powerful and very encouraging, is that they seem to care more about actually doing <laughs> some mm. of the stuff um, than other generations. So I'm glad you're doing this with married people, especially trying to speak into that uh, demographic, because it's uh, this is the generation that's going to change the world.
2: I absolutely agree because they do care. You know, I think it's Pew Research just came out with, you know millennials, number one, desires to be a great parent and and read that number two is to have a successful marriage. They they are working harder and they are more intentional. And I watch as we give out date nights and different things in our office at work, that millennials will take us up on it and they're more experiential and they do care. And so Shanti, just thank you, thank you, thank you uh, that you would speak in millennials because I know how pro you are, but you're also just pro people and pro wanting people to win and I think about over the years and I was thinking about this whole thing that you come out with this book on kindness and I need to say to you friend as I've been doing marriage ministry at North Point that started in 2001 and doing marriage helps for you know the last 15 16 years and now with married people you have been one of the most kind people to me in this space of anyone and you know oh, thanks
3: you, that blesses me here well, thank it, you
2: it's so true because I mean I don't know anybody who worked harder than you that's busier than you It has a family you're very intentional about, but you have made time for what we've done and it has really mattered. And we've been able to get your message to so many people. And that's what we wanted to do today is anybody that's listening is this, this kindness thing's a big deal. And it's just, it's not, it's not fluff. It's not frivolous. It And it's backed by research that it matters so much. So thank you Thank you, thank you for doing this for us Shanti and bringing the light on how important it is to be kind.
3: Oh, thanks. I appreciate that encouragement.
2: Thank you, friend. And we will be if you're willing and able, we'd love to have you back.
3: Absolutely. Thank you, friend. Thanks.
2: Wow, Ted, that was a
0: great interview with Shanti. I'm so glad that you reached out to her and brought her in for this episode and if I'm being honest, You know, when you hear the word kind and, you know, be kind and kindness, it feels a little squishy. It feels a little vague. It's like Mm. it's like hard to put you know, handlebars on that. And she did a phenomenal job of just laying it out. Why it's important. Here's what to do. And, uh, you know, one of the things that she recommended was that kindness assessment. And I know that you've taken that kindness assessment oh.
2: that she she mentioned. Right? Yeah. Oh, it hurt my feelings, too. But I want everybody... That's our one simple thing this week is yeah, to yeah, take yeah. the assessment. And so I took it, and I am I kind of felt like I'm reading the questions. I think, ah, oh, I kind of see where this is
0: going. So it's kind of throwing... Uh, situations out there, and how are you respond? How do well, you it's typically like, respond? Well, like yeah,
1: it's like if you came across a mermaid, would you steal her voice? And then <laughs> the results say you are Ursula. Level of kindness. Okay,
2: is that right there is why I pay you ten dollars an episode, Afton. That is fantastic. So, yeah, because that's
1: it, who I would get. I, just, I already know what I'm going to get on this assessment. It's I'm just getting telling like you maleficent. Which, which
2: Friends character you are. right? <laughs> uh, well, pretty much like. It, well, it's funny you say that because she narrows it down into like different movie characters. Right. And right. so mine was. Uh, Gail from uh, Hunger Games. And so, which was so funny because when I took this session... Who seems
1: very kind, by the way. So well, that's not even embarrassing to say. Well,
2: but here's the here was the killer part. Okay, so I'm taking this test. I thought it was a little bit odd and then thinking, can, does it really know me? Did those questions really get to anything true about me? Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. Because I didn't think that it was going to. And again, it was that... CJ, to your point about it, it was going to feel vague. And this thing... Nailed me to the wall, and it was one of those those things when I realized that that was true it was it's always a little bit scary or sad when you mm-hmm. realize something about yourself that you didn't see coming, but yeah. at the same time, it was pretty empowering to go yeah that that is the deal that is the deal because I <laughs> like do that is you that's me I love so hard I love my family, I love my kids i I feel like I'm so intentional about it, but when things get pushed or I feel misunderstood or disrespected that's when i Pull back being unkind, and you know, to Shanti's point, it's like if we're going to be you know, be Christ like, the Christ like time is, hey, anybody can be nice to someone nice, anybody mm, can be kind yeah. to someone's kind. Where the rubber meets the road is when you're being kind when someone's being unkind to you, and that's so tough, but it's so powerful. Yeah,
1: and I think you know, for me, I think a lot of it is just awareness. Like what yes. what that conversation did for me is just kind of like shine a light on the spots where I'm definitely not being kind Mm. and i'm just maybe not aware or i'm like putting blinders up to it or i'm justifying it because Mm. because they're not being kind to me and that's you know what the situation calls for is to me to have a sarcastic remark and make everything worse you know Mm. um so i feel like just a, a lot of what that conversation does is just bring awareness to the spots where we need to be kinder to people or to our spouses specifically
2: yeah Afton for you you know when we've originally started talking about this whole idea of, of kindness and I think I mentioned to you pre this interview about that she says venting's not good and the, the look on your face was like I was like
1: oh no all of my relationships are terrible <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm doing I do everything everything wrong. I do that every night of the week, (laughs) every weeknight. Yeah. Yeah. Because you do, I mean, when you see Mm. your, specifically in relation, in a marriage, I feel like you see your spouse as the safe place. Mm. So like when things happen at work, I'm like, I have to get home and tell Hudson all the terrible things that people said and did to me. And can Mm. you believe it? And he is such a diffuser and like a peacemaker. So he Mm. usually just like absorbs it, diffuses it, like we just, and then we just move on with our lives. But I'm like, oh my word, when I hear someone say, don't vent to your spouse or just don't be somebody that vents i'm like Mm. oh no oh no
2: yeah oh i think for her i think the brilliance of this is calling it a 30-day challenge to to say to you hey don't ever vent to hudson i don't think that's healthy either i think what she's saying is play around with it for 30 days and see what happens if it brings more you know satisfaction to you or more peace or whatever great but and again I know, you know, you that are listening right now as you've been you know, driving to work or going for a run or wherever you're listening to this, you're thinking, yeah, this part of it I don't buy or I don't agree with that. And again, seems squishy, seems unimportant. It's just, you know, it's one of those things. It's worth a try, even if you're pushing back really, really hard right now. And, you know, I've asked Shanti, too. I said, what about people who are really struggling? Like this feels like, you know, someone's going through something really, really tough. And she said to me, she said. I'm working with couples in very, very tough situations. Very tough. Like ones that biblically they could say, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. But she says, okay, yeah, you biblically could leave. Do you want to? Well, no, I don't want to. I want to try to make this work. She goes, okay, this is the thing mm-hmm. to do. So this isn't just like, hey, let's just make our good marriages great. This is like, wow, this is getting people out of, get people unstuck in a really powerful way.
0: Yeah, and it all starts by taking that kindness assessment. And so, you know, you can, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I'm all, you know, I think I'm a pretty, it's kind of sitting here. You're almost, it's like driving. You kind of assume you're a pretty good driver (laughs) or whatever. You don't really need someone to tell you that you're, you know, how to fix your driving or whatever. Um, But I think it is, I'm going to take this and I think it is going to be pretty interesting because I am in that boat where I'm like, I'm probably pretty I'm fine yeah you know, you'll I'm probably get pretty, Ross right <laughs> exactly um, but I'm gonna take this and you can too by going to join the kindness dot com join the kindness dot com Shanti has it set up really easy for you it's gonna take you like five minutes and you'll find out exactly who you are and where you land uh, in this whole kindness in the spectrum, spectrum of
1: like your Voldemort or <laughs> your Dumbledore yeah exactly and anywhere in between that's the spectrum yeah that, I'm pretty sure that is what her spectrum is <laughs> yeah yeah that would make the most sense. You know what is really interesting to me about our conversation today? I feel like it really ties back to our first podcast episode about micro moves, which I feel like micro moves are really similar to like this kind of like kindness assessment, kindness challenge Uh thing where it's like, how kind are you really? Like when you really start thinking about, um, how you're making these kind moves towards your spouse and trying to like, you know, raise the energy in your, your how's that going by the way, super awesome. I like told Hudson about micro moves and now in our house, like, we're like, Hey, can you, can you micro move me? (laughs) Or like, I, I I did get up and make coffee and let the dogs out one day and I went back into the room and I was like, Hey, I just want you to know that i micro moved you twice already this morning. (laughs) By (laughs) taking out my dogs. Yeah, by taking out my own dogs and making myself coffee, I micro moved you twice. Um, and those are
2: very kind I micro think moves. That's after. what
1: you meant by micro moves—is to really keep a scorecard of how many micro moves <laughs> right. you've done. Yeah, I, is that what you mm. meant?
2: And once again, we need to after interview, but people don't have time for that. We don't have
1: time, but I. But I do think, like, when it comes to just kindness in general and micro moves, like, I think the challenge is is looking for something every day mm. to like one way to be kind because just like be more kind in general. Like I know this assessment is definitely going to help me kind of like not just have like this general, like, Hey, just be more kind. Like, Mm -hmm. but, but looking for something every day making it a pattern Mm -hmm. of like, how can I be more kind in one way I wouldn't have been today. It's
0: not just one time micro moves. It's a pattern that you, yes. Love it. Yes. Well, that was a phenomenal interview. Ted, thank you so much for bringing in Shanti and just bringing us all of that really amazing. She's so magical. She is magical. I, I mean I her. Sh- her research and her uh, expertise there that was that was a really engaging conversation and thank you for joining us for the married people podcast we hope that today's episode helped you realize that marriage is a little easier than you think. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And your reviews help us make this podcast better and get these conversations in front of more people who need to hear them. And finally, for more great resources to make your marriage better, you can check out Ted's book, Your Best Us, and you can check out Shanti's book, The 30-Day Kindness Challenge. We'll have links to all of these books and assessments and all of that kind of stuff on our website, marriedpeople.org. And join us for next week's episode, where we'll be asking the question, can your spouse really meet all of your relational needs? Until then, though, I'm CJ. I'm Afton. I'm Ted. And thank you for listening.